Hello, and welcome back to the Product Launch Podcast. As always, I'm the host, Sean Boyce, CEO and founder of Next Up. I'd like to welcome my guest to the show today, Brian Castle from Audience Ops and Process Kit. Hello, Brian. How are you? And thanks for being here. Yeah. Hey, hey, Sean. Thanks for having me on. This is fun. Yeah, definitely. Uh, really excited to talk more about the topic we have picked out for today. But before we get into that, if you could, please give us more information about your background and how you came to be doing the work that you're doing today. Uh, well, let's see. Today, I, I usually like to start backwards and, and work. It, start with today and I'll work my way back. Uh, Sounds good. So t- today, I'm mostly spending all my days on uh, software development, uh, building software products. Um, this year in 2021, I'm actually uh, launching, I, I'm, I'm moving more into like a product lab sort of direction where I'm uh, building and launching multiple products throughout the year. Not, not too many, but um, just, you know, exploring a few different ideas. Um, but the main one that I've been working on and continue to, to work on is, is a SaaS product called Process Kit. And uh, that's as a processkit.com. And it's, basically a, a tool for agencies and, and companies who have a lot of repeatable process-oriented projects and tasks um, to run those efficiently and also automate uh, repeatable processes and tasks. And, and a very common use case is for an agency to uh, use a repeatable client onboarding process um, powered by, by ProcessKit. Um, and we've got templates and, and lots of uh, automation stuff built in that you can use. Um, uh, let's see. So the other company that I run that I've been running since 2015 is, is a productized service called audience ops. And, uh, we basically do, um, blog content as a service for, uh, for a lot of different companies, mostly software companies. So I've got a team of, uh, of writers and editors and content managers who basically run, you know, ongoing blog content plans. Um, obviously, that's a very process-oriented uh, agency kind of service. So that's where Process Kit was sort of born. Um, working backwards from that, before that, from around 20, uh, 2011 up till 2015, I, I built a business called Restaurant Engine, and that was websites for restaurants. Um, it was kind of part website builder software built on top of WordPress and part service kind of like a productized service and i built and sold that i sold that business in 2015 um before all that i was basically a freelance web designer web developer i was doing a lot of work with wordpress from around 2008 to 2012 or so um before that i worked as a front-end uh full-time designer uh uh, like full-time employee at an agency in new york um doing like design and and front-end development that's that's it in, in a nutshell. The last like twelve years or so. <laughs> that's awesome, and I, I think you're in the right place uh, between the combination, or I should say, the range of the product businesses as productized services, all the way to SaaS. We talk a lot about both uh, different variations of each and everything in between. I would say so. Definitely curious to kind of learn more from your background, what this path has been like for you, how you got here, uh, and ask you kind of some you know more detailed questions along the way. So I suppose the first uh, place to start would be to learn more from you in terms of like, how did you get into building product businesses? Like where did the inspiration to do that come from? You know, you mentioned your background obviously before that, but we'd love to learn more about, you know, where the ideas came from and how you uh, originally got started. You know, I, I think most uh, business owners and, and entrepreneurs, um, I, or maybe not most, but a lot of them 
when they were younger, they, they expected that someday I'm going to start a business and maybe even start a, a product or a startup or something like that. And, and that actually wasn't really the case for me. Um, uh, I started my career, well, really, uh, at the very I was more into music, actually doing like music production, and I thought I would have a career in that. Um, turns out there's not a whole lot of music, uh, money in the, in the music industry for, for someone just starting out. Um, so I sort of pivoted to my other passion, which is web, web design and tech for the internet. And this is back in like 2005. And I thought that I would just be a professional web designer as my career. Um, so I got a job at a web design agency. And I, I mean, at that time, this was 2004, 2005. I didn't even know of the concept of freelancing. Like I didn't even really see that as a path uh, until I saw that the agency actually hired freelancers. Like I was a full-time employee there, but then there were these guys who would walk in and work three afternoons a week and then they'd go do, go off and do other stuff. And I'm like, well, I have the same skills as them. Why am I sitting at this desk nine to five? (laughs) Um, so that's, that's where the first idea of just, hey, you could do this as a freelancer kind of sparked. And I started researching that and I was, uh, I was young in my 20s and everything. And, I, and, and so I was like, why don't I leave this job and become a freelance web designer? And that, that's what I did in 2008. Um, and I feel very lucky that I did in the, in the I, I went freelance like January of 2008, about 10 months before the global financial crisis. <laughs> um, uh, and, and so I, I feel like if I had held on to that job another year, I might, I might still be in a job today, you know, trying to hold on to it through those years. But um, uh, I was on my own when that hit. And, and actually, as a freelancer, it sort of helped because a lot of companies were hiring uh, freelancers instead of hiring full-time employees around 2008, 2009 and stuff. Um, so I was just doing the freelance web, web design thing, doing projects, you, you know, um, uh, working with all sorts of different clients for a couple of years there, and then I, I got into w- using WordPress quite a bit for for my for my projects. And through that, I discovered, hey, there are these people selling WordPress themes and WordPress plugins as digital products. And then again, like that's not even a thing that I had ever expected to do, but I got really really interested in it when I saw a company like Woo Themes and. Uh, uh, you know, this is around 2009. So the big companies then were like Woo Themes, Studio Press, Press 75, a couple of other ones. And, um, I, you know, I was like, I, again, like I was like, I know how to, I design WordPress themes. Why am I doing it for clients when I could be doing these digital products? And so that was a big inspiration for me early on. And, and I started designing and selling WordPress themes as my f- very first um, digital products. And then from there, I started, you know, getting more and more into doing products and, and learning more about um, the idea of, of startups on the internet. Like that, that's when I started becoming interested in that. I discovered shows like Mixergy and, and other podcasts, and and um, and and eventually, I, you know, the idea of SaaS subscription software became very interesting to me. And I and I looked at my current skills. I was like, well, I. I know a lot about WordPress. I know a lot about websites and web de- web development, and and, and so the, the thought was like I could build a SaaS that's like a hosted version of WordPress sites for for a niche industry, and that that was restaurants. And so I built basically that on top of uh, of WordPress, um, 
and it was it started out as a SaaS, and then it sort of morphed into more of a service built on top of WordPress. And that's that's where that business sort of started to, I wouldn't say take off like a rocket ship, but it but it was the first real subscription business that enabled me to phase out freelancing. Like I was doing other products like WordPress themes and stuff before that, but I was always doing client work to to pay the bills up until about 2012. And uh, and as I started to build Restaurant Engine, that was the business that helped me exit the freelancing stuff. Um, and then, um, you know, kind of working working our way forward now, it's like, um, I also, also around that time, 2013 or so, I started building a little bit of an audience, like talking about uh, productized services. And then I sold a, a course. I started a course called Productize in 2014, um, which attracted a lot of like agencies and web developers and, and um, freelancers looking to productize their service, kind of like I did with, with Restaurant Engine. Um, and that continues to, to this day. That's, that's a course and a community product that, that I still run. Um, and um, yeah, like every, every, new, every next business is sort of like a stumbling into it based on something that I, that I just discovered or, or I learned and, and figuring out how to, how to build it. So it definitely seems like kind of a, an organic, natural evolution to the process, I would say, based on what you've learned from each step along the way. It's funny the way you describe it. I feel like I've walked a similar path myself as well, too, where I'm just like, I'm in, I'm in doing something, whatever it is I'm doing, in particular earlier on when it was like trading time for money or whatever, I just saw, I learned of the things around me. And I'm like, that's interesting. What is that? And the more I learned about it, it piqued my interest. I, like I, I originally started building products for while I was working as an employee. Um, I didn't know it at the time, really, but that's what I was doing is I was using software and technology to like automate tasks and business processes and all this kind of stuff. And then, then I started to learn more about, you know, this can live as something on its own and doesn't need me to directly, you know, you know, move buttons or press switches or flip switches and, and press buttons kind of thing in order for it to do what it's been designed to do. That really got me interested in terms of like decoupling the time invested for value that you can get out. Sounds like you had a similar kind of experience yourself along the way. I'd be curious to learn more from you in terms of like at what point did you realize that, you know, the revenue or the income that you could make or whatever, um, the value that you could deliver didn't necessarily need to be tied to what you were doing uh, all the time. You know, you could introduce Um, products and software and all that kind of stuff to try to do something similar. Yeah, I think I think around 2012, 2013, um, that's when I started to really understand the value of building a, an actual product. And, and that took the form of a productized service that can really run without me. Um, I was doing the freelance web design projects before then, which is very tied to my time. And, and there, I, I started to scale it up a little bit by hiring other freelancers and, and subcontracting out parts and, so that I could take on more projects simultaneously but um but i couldn't really scale it up like i i felt like i had a ceiling and i didn't really want to cross into building like a very big agency um that did a lot of different custom work um i was more interested in building like a single brand that could grow um uh yeah i I think i think that's when it like once i started to understand the concept of like understanding who a target customer is and then you can actually do marketing to to grow that customer base rather than selling a service to anyone and ev- and everyone um 
that's that's when it started to to really click. And I mean, I would say that like there, you know, t- making that switch from um, from either a full time job or or from full time freelancing, doing general different different projects. Uh, it it's not like it it it's very rare that like you start a, a product business that overnight or very quickly replaces and surpasses that income. There's there's usually going to be a gap, and and that gap could be a couple of years of taking a pay cut just to just to make your next thing more sustainable and, and more growable. I mean, like, uh, I probably made more income in the year of like 2010 doing freelance projects than I did in the year of like 2012 when when half my time was spent building up this SaaS service and half the time was still doing some client projects. You know, like, I think at, at a certain point, a lot of freelancers sort of need to plan for, save up for, or just accept that you're going to... Or, or put in a lot of like nights and weekends or early mornings, whatever it is. Um, there, there's definitely some sacrifice to to be intentional about like changing your your business model, you know. Um, and also looking back on it, sometimes I, I, I sometimes I think it would would have been easier if I had a job instead of uh, freelancing to pay the bills for those early years. Um, especially like these days, it was less remote jobs were not as as prevalent as they were back then uh, as as they are today but today if i was to, if i was if i was like 23 years old again um i would probably look for a steady remote uh full-time salary position one that that a i could learn a lot from and build a network and learn learn a certain industry or learn a skill and b have uh plenty of free time um, uh, to develop stuff on the side, you know, but when I was that age, I was commuting two hours a day on the, on a train to New York city, which was sort of a different thing. Um, but yeah, these, these days, like I, I think it was difficult as a freelancer to, uh, to run a freelance business, um, that doesn't shut off at 5 PM every day. Whereas a job sort of can do that. You know, I think about that all the time myself too. I I also kind of went cold turkey with it where I switched very abruptly, I want to say. And then when I ultimately realized what it was going to take in order to build a product business and you know that this wasn't going to happen quickly, um, it set in eventually where I'm like, I, I totally could have been doing this while I had the job that I did previously. And like you said, I think to your point, if you have the right type of strategic job that is of and related to whatever work it is you're looking to do in building your product business then you can be learning doing both at the same time. And that prepares you a little bit to make the transition a little bit easier. A lot of people that we talk with trying to build product businesses struggle with this. They're trying to figure out how do, how do I make the transition here? And it, since it doesn't happen quickly, building it in a sustainable way is important, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah and, and even if your full-time salary like or full-time position takes up all of your time, at least at least if you, especially a productized service business where you can grow revenue a lot faster than, than a, like a software business. Um, at least you can reinvest all of that revenue into hiring someone to, to do stuff. Whereas if you're doing it on your own, then, you know, you still have to pay yourself. So, so that, that makes it a little bit more difficult, but totally not impossible. Absolutely. Which is kind of what I wanted to ask you about next. Right. So in the, 
the product success that you've had thus far, you know, process kit, audience ops, you've had kind of both, which we talk about on the show, which is different types of product businesses, right? You, it can be either a product itself, like software, or it could be a service that you kind of buy like a product, right? Fixed price, whatever you get specific deliverables, that kind of thing. Um, I have some experience myself as well, too, in building, you know, each, and they have their own unique challenges when you're building different types of product businesses. So can you educate us a little bit? Tell us more about like basically what you just said, maybe elaborate on that, where it's like a productized service business. I can still build and sell like a product, but I don't have to, you know, know everything there is to know about custom software or whatever it takes to build a successful SaaS business overnight. It might be maybe a slower ramp or, you know, starting with a productized service business. Can, can you talk us about like a complement of each, the respective like challenges uh, associated with each and what you might recommend for any aspiring uh, you know, people who want to build product businesses that are listening to the show? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I, I took a, a sort of a unique path to getting to the point where I'm working full time on SaaS products today. Um, a lot of people like end up getting investors uh, to you know, seeking investment to basically fund your time to do that. Or, or like we've been talking about, you know, trying to hack away at a SaaS idea, uh, nights and weekends on the side of a job or something. Um, I built this productized service business about, I started it about six years ago, uh, after I sold the previous business. Um, and the, the great thing about this one is that I, I spent a lot of time in this business audience ops, in the first like two years, uh, building the processes, building the team, doing the early sales and things like that. Um, the, 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 the thing that I loved about this, about this business model, the productized service model is that I see that as the, like the fastest way, like the path, like the path of least resistance to transitioning from just general consulting, freelancing into, uh, the the business itself grows and scales and it's profitable, but it but for me I, I use it as a vehicle to free up my time and fund and self fund all of my time. So um, uh, so that that's what I love about the productized service model is that it's like you you can start it and literally have your first revenue within like thirty days, sometimes even faster. And within 60 or 90 days, you could have like a decent recurring revenue stream of, 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 of the first few clients, um, you know, assuming that you're solving a really important, valuable problem and, and, that, and that you have a, a network of, of at least just a, like just a few clients. Like you don't need hundreds of customers for it to, to become profitable. But the, the thing is that it, it, it's a service business, so you don't need to spend all this time and money on, on building any custom software. You can really just build up the sales materials and have conversations with customers, sell the service, and then start to deliver the service and then figure out the processes as you go along in those, in those early months and, and years. Um, and then eventually... Like in my case, like by the second year, I, we started to really dial it in. I hired uh, more people. We learned a lot. We made a lot of mistakes. We, we really dialed in our processes. And that's when I started to really remove myself like methodically from all the different pieces. Um, so then by 2017, 2018, I was almost completely removed from the day-to-day -day and it was paying my bills. And then I can really dive into, uh, into software. Yeah, that and such a probably a liberating feeling at that point as well too, in having you know reached those milestones of building the product business. But 
I would totally agree as well too. And I, I, I would really encourage people to take a closer look at this and you know, pull from your experience in terms of trying to make that transition. I think that's a really good way to look at doing it. But one of the next questions I was going to have for you, as I'm sure the listeners have as well too, is right where, so where did, you know, you talked about making sure that it was whatever it was you were going to do from the perspective of building a productized service business was something that was important and valuable. Uh, the question was going to be oven related to like, where did the ideas come from for ultimately what it is you decided to build and how did you know they were valuable? So that led to the success kind of thing. Yeah, I, I've always, um, like I said, I tend to stumble into ideas uh, when they're just right in front of me. And I think that's actually, you know, you could call that maybe scratch your own itch. Um, but but sometimes it could just be uh, uh, solving a problem of people that you know directly and, and, and networks that you're already in. That like you, you should really capitalize on whatever inroads you already have. Uh, that's always easier than diving into an industry that you have no connection to, right? Um, in my case, I was, I had just recently, or I was in the process of exiting Restaurant Engine, selling that business. And the way that I had built up that business, marketing-wise, was content marketing, doing blogging. And I had hired writers, and I built up this system and process where the writers were uh, coming up with topics, and they were continuing to do content marketing for that business. And we did pretty well with Google in those years. And, um, and, and I started talking about how I did that with my other founder friends and people that I knew. And, and I start, and this is around 2014, 2015, uh, you know, blog, blog content marketing isn't as well known or as widespread as it, as it is today. But everyone was had a lot of people still have a lot of questions. It's still a problem that we solve every day for clients. But back then, I was getting a lot of questions around like, how do you hire writers? How do you give them a process? How do you run it so that it, you're removed from the day to day? So that was an, an indicator to me that like a lot of these founders of, of businesses don't have this problem solved, and it's uh, and, and it's a recurring problem. Um, so and there's there's value there. So. I think you really nailed it, especially at the, the latter end of that point as well too, right? Looking for those problems. We talk about that a lot. And one thing I learned the hard way myself, one of my an early product companies was something that I built, which I thought was a good idea. There was a need for it, but it wasn't something that I really had a ton of background or expertise in at the time. So I totally underestimated how much effort was going to be required to gain that subject matter expertise from the perspective of who we're selling to. So uh, I can't, I can't refine that point hard enough, basically, to build something that you were familiar with, or like you mentioned, scratching your own itch, that kind of place. It's a great place to look, right? Because you need more than just a good idea. You need more than just software or a team or whatever. You really need to understand uh, intimately well the problems that are experienced by the space or who you ultimately are going to be selling that value proposition to. So awesome. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. And I ran into that a lot with my previous business, Restaurant Engine, you know, um, I was younger. Maybe I would have executed a little bit differently now, but um, I ran into that. I mean, I had no personal connection to the restaurant industry at all. You know, um, I knew how to build websites. <laughs> I, I knew that right. most most restaurant websites are terrible, so yep. uh, that much I knew. Um, and we did really well with the with the more tech savvy restaurant owners who were googling and 
and found us and they were a little bit more savvy when it comes they, like they could see the quality of what we do. Um, but to really grow that business for me, it would have meant flying every year to Chicago to go to the restaurant industry conference and going and, and just really building in, inroads in this industry that I had no interest in doing that. Yep. Um, so, so it was definitely a limiting factor for me to, to grow that business. And it was, it was a reason that one of the reasons I, I got out of it. Yeah. Good point. I think something people really should entertain before they probably even get started. So thank you for sharing that too. Um, I know you have multiple business, multiple product businesses at this point. So can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, how you go about managing multiple businesses at this point, right? Um, you hear a lot out there about, you know, make sure you focus on one and only one. Um, I'm talking more towards the like SaaS crowd that, you know, does the sprint to, you know, try to find VC funding and all that kind of stuff. It's a very different approach, right? Um, I'm trying to share stories like yours with the world as much as possible because there are plenty of alternative approaches to that, which can be really successful and, you know, maybe don't have as low necessarily a, a success rate as some of these other more widely known or more popularized approaches, if you will. So can you talk to us a little bit about what it takes to manage multiple businesses? I know you've talked about selling them and uh, managing them moving forward, but I'd be curious to hear more from you on that. Yeah. So, um, uh, let's see. So a couple of different points. One, one is that like the, once the, once the business is, has a lot of activity and, and that, that means that it's just going to demand my time, uh, because, because there is traction, it's growing. So I have to focus on it to, to keep it going. Right. Um, but when that happens, I tend to focus on like, how can I build systems and processes and people, a team, um, to, to remove myself so that someday I'm not doing this. Uh, like I, I love, I love building and creating new things, whether that's creating a new product or creating a new feature in the product or, or doing the initial work to create a new marketing asset or, or marketing plan or something. But I'm really terrible personally at like being the person who writes and sends the article every week for, for years on end or, or whatever that may be. Right. Um, so I like to work on something for, for a fixed amount of time and then build a process and a person to, to, to continue it on. And that's essentially the model that I did with, um, with, with audience ops. And it's now at a point where, you know, we've, we've got a team who, who does all the writing and editing, and then we have managers who, who, who manage each client account. And then we have like a higher level, like operations manager who she sort of like shields me from a lot of the day-to-day questions that come up. Um, and then, and then of course, if it comes to me, then maybe something went wrong. You know, we have to figure it out. Um, uh, and then, um, when it comes to software, that's where you know it it does definitely require more focus and um, and more sustained effort. Uh, but you know, being fully self funded, I think I, so, I I think that sometimes that's. And I'm not putting down getting investment. I, I think it definitely makes sense in a lot of cases. I, I personally wouldn't be against um, finding investors someday if, if, if that made sense. But for me, I just haven't had that need. And, and what I found is that actually not having investors and being completely self-funded gives, gives you a lot of optionality in terms of what you can commit and invest my, my time into, right? So um, I can jump, like right now, this, this year... I'm sort of jumping from a couple of different products or, or just, just seeing if something is there. I could, I could give a new product idea like three months um, 
just to see if there's anything there. And, and the other one is maintaining. I've got marketing systems that are running on it. Maybe after three months, I jump right back to the other product. Um, but if something's here, then maybe I'll give it six months or 12 months. And, and um, you know, I, I don't really create new products at the same time. I, if I'm creating something, I'm only doing one thing at a time. But um, if something's gotten to a point where it's sort of running and it's, and it's growing, but, but very slowly as most SaaS grow, then, you know, I, I have the optionality to, to see if I can find something else that might grow a little bit faster, you know. Can you also give us some context for what, you know, aspiring product business owners should be thinking in terms of how much time uh, should they be expecting in terms of seeing that level of traction or progress? You know, I know it, it all depends on everyone's individual situation, but, you know, how much time is too much time? When should you move on kind of thing? Like, and, you know, what, how much traction should you be capable of in relatively short order to, to validate value propositions and know that you should invest more time into it? Um, it's, it is completely different for every situation. Um, I don't think of it so much as time more. I mean, everyone has different, um, tolerances of what they want to put into it before they see certain results, but those results can be different things, right? Like, you know, maybe the result isn't necessarily a specific revenue target, but like, can I get 10 people to respond to this cold email outreach about this idea. If I, if I can't, then maybe that idea is just not compelling. You know, if I can, then I'll have those conversations and that, that'll be great. And then I can learn from those conversations. And then, then maybe the goal is, can I get a hundred free users on this? And can I get 10% of them to convert to paying users? And if that's true, then you can, so it's sort of, I, I like to see it as sort of like milestones with like a pass fail grade that you could, that either justify you to continue on it or it's completely not working, shut it down and move on to something else. Or more, more often than not, it's, it's like, ah, that there's just, something's not quite right about it, but there's something here there. Like I thought I would be selling this product, but I'm, but it turns out when I get into conversations, I'm getting a lot of questions about a, a step to the side, you know, so, something a little bit different. And then that, that's where the, the, the thing that really clicks starts to, you know, reveal itself. Yeah. That's a great way to think about it. Um, so another question I have for you is for those aspiring product business owners uh, out there or uh, people that are currently actively in it, looking to grow more quickly. What is some? What is the best advice you have, given the nature of the success that you've had in building various product businesses? Of course, you know across your uh, career and in the history of building product businesses for yourself. What's the best advice you have for anybody in a situation like that? Um, I guess the the a couple a couple different things I'll, I'll throw out there. One is to you know follow and use whatever inroads you already have. Uh, whether that's network people that you know, or it could be skill sets that that you've picked up. And early, if you're very early in your career, you should probably prioritize building those. Like, enter industries where you know you you you're, you're interested in, and 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 could result in you building a skill. Like I like early on, I I chose to take my hacky amateur web design skills. And, and then I interned at a web agency and did it professionally at the agency. And it took my, it took me from being an amateur to being a professional web designer. Like those skills really leveled up and, and I learned that and it, and it carries through to, to my, to my work today. Um, 
So that, that would be number one. And, and then, and then like when it comes to looking for those problems to solve, look, look where you already have those inroads, those connections. Um, the second thing would be to, uh, you know, don't tie everything to how, how much am I going to get paid per hour for this thing? Or if it's a new product, will it make $20,000 in the first month? Chances are it will not, right? <laughs> um, and if yep. you're freelancing by the hour, you know, yeah, you might bill by the hour, or bill by the project, the project, but you should devote time to just create stuff and put it out there to the world. Um, you're going to learn, if nothing else. You're going to gain some recognition from people who are seeing what you build, and you're going to get feedback. You're going to grow a little bit of an audience. Not saying everybody needs to be like a guru, like person with an audience or anything like that, but um, work on things that you're not getting paid for. Just just to just to get into the habit of shipping product projects, and that's um, you know th- those things always lead to more interesting things that that benefit you over over time. Yeah, something you've mentioned a few times now, which I want to reinforce is the learning component. You've mentioned that several times. I think when people are getting started uh, looking to build businesses like this, they may get frustrated as they are met with adversity or traction doesn't, you know, the results don't come overnight kind of thing. He said, it's obviously a longer term project and you're building towards it. But to me, I was thinking about it wrong earlier in my career when I would, you know, those milestones would come and go and I didn't hit my goal. But in reality, I was learning, even if what I was doing wasn't valuable at the time, I was learning probably what I should do. And you've mentioned that a couple of times. So to me, as long as you're still learning throughout this process, you're making progress. I think that's a good way to think about it. Absolutely. Everything is learning projects. I I tend to look at things as like checklists um, or like when I'm searching for new ideas for for products. Um, Usually my next idea that I work on is like solving for something that wasn't quite right in my previous one, right? So like if a previous one, oh, it it was, I don't know, like... uh, I wasn't making enough revenue per customer. It was too low priced. Well, then maybe the next idea that I'm looking for, one of the one of the check boxes that I'm looking for in that idea is like something that I can charge more for. You know, um, it, it, over time you just start to adjust that that list of of criteria, and, and you learn from experience. Totally, absolutely, it's a great way to think about it. Uh, fantastic, uh, Brian. Thanks a ton for being here and sharing your knowledge and experience with our audience. A couple questions for you before we let you go. The first is any specific resources you want to direct our audience to where they can go to learn more about yourself, the work that you've done uh, or anything we talked about here today. Uh, yeah, let's see. So, um, uh, I also, I, I co-host a podcast called bootstrapped web, uh, with my friend Jordan Gall. And, uh, so we talked, it's really just off the cuff, like behind the scenes, what we're currently working on in, in our businesses. Um, we've been doing that for many years and, uh, we continue to, so that, that's a good place to follow along. Um, on on Twitter, that's that's where I'm the most active. Uh, Cast Jam is my uh, username. You you know anyone can connect with me there. Um, I also have a site and, and a newsletter and stuff, but I'm I'm more active these days on uh, on Twitter and, and podcasts. Yeah, and I second all that as well too. We'll include links to everything in the show notes, but uh, the resources, the content you produce is fantastic. So I encourage everybody to go check those links out, uh, subscribe to the podcast, listen to those episodes. There's a lot to be learned. Cool. Yeah. Thanks. Awesome. Well, thank you, Tom, for being here, Brian. We really appreciate you uh, sharing your knowledge and experience with myself and our audience. Yeah, thanks, John. Thanks for listening to this episode of Product Launch. I hope you got value out of it. 
I like to feature product people on my podcast because that's who I love to help. I'm a product strategist and I can help you scale your business and grow your profit through a product. If you'd like to learn more about how I can help you, email me at sean at nextstep.io. That's sean, S-E-A-N, at nextstep, N-X-T-S-T-E-P.io. Or visit my website at nextstep.io. That's N-X-T-S-T-E-P.io. Hey folks, Sean here, and thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. If you did, I'd encourage you to also sign up for my free five-day email course about launching a profitable B2B SaaS application for less than $750. If you'd like to sign up for that course, you can do so at nextstep.io forward slash B2B SaaS.